Hello, friends. Today on the podcast, we've got Amelia, the organized escort. Um, so this one's a little, a little bit difficult to understand. That is totally my bad. I, I did modulate her voice to keep her discretion. Um, that is the first time I've ever tried to do that. So it is a little, a little tough. Um, my apologies. I will try better in the future to become a better audio technician, but you know, it works. In this episode, she tells us about her lovely blog and guides. I've been seeing them and looking at them for quite a while, and I think a lot of you have too. So I hope you guys enjoy hearing directly from her as well. Ooh, and as a side note, I just want to say that I'm really proud of myself because I did not cut her off hardly at all. And for anyone that listens to this knows that I cut people off like it's my full-time job. <laughs> Yay! Why don't you guys congratulate yourselves for something you've done better um, the past few months too? Because there's just no chance that you got worse at everything. So just take a minute out to, to praise yourself a little bit for something you've been doing right. All right. Well, without further delay, here's my conversation with the lovely Amelia. There's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before. Sex. Why do you think people don't see it as work? I don't know. I think it's just too much stigma. What do you mean we can't just go tell people? The vast uh, complexity of human sexuality. The escort. Deconstructed. Um, very excited tonight. We've got um, a time traveler on the podcast. She's actually living in the future. And I know I'm probably the first one to ever make this joke to that Australians are living in the future. But please give me the lottery number. <laughs> We've got Amelia, the organized escort. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I'm really excited to do this as well. It's my first ever podcast. So a little bit nervous but I'm sure it'll be fine oh yeah please. It, it just goes by like a normal conversation you said your voice is going to be changed so I think I'm the only one that has the honor of hearing your voice but we'll change it a bit for her um so that's why she sounds yeah. a little bit robotic maybe or just like she smoked a bunch of packs of cigarettes this is not her voice <laughs> I like the added layer of mystery, though. So, I mean, I guess just introduce yourself a bit as you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I have been working in the industry since I was 18 in Australia. Um, and where I live in Australia, um, sex work is legal, um, which is kind of cool. So um, I'm 28 now, and so I've been working for about 10 or so years. Um, and I started work in a brothel at first um, and did that for a couple of years. And then I started, yeah, private escorting a couple of years after that and it's kind of what I've been yeah, doing for the past eight or so years, I guess. Private escorting, that's, that's a funner way of saying independent, I guess. Is that not what you guys say? I don't know. I like it better than saying independent escort. Private escort sounds so much more exclusive. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just one of the things that we say. <laughs> that we say. Yeah, private escorting. That's, yeah, same as independent escorting. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I, I was looking into this, or I think I heard Zuzu Gabrielli and Cleo Constantine talk about working in the brothels in Australia, 
And then they talked about why it's diffi more difficult to be a private escort. Do you want, is it because it's more costly or something? Do um, I think it depends what state you're in um, because I guess each state has different rules and regulations in Australia. Um, and I guess it depends, yeah, what state you're living in. So some states, um, brothels are legal um, and other states, brothels aren't legal. And it also the way the brothels work in different states is different. So, like, in Queensland, you can't drink alcohol in brothels and there's, like, very strict regulations on how many workers can be in a brothel at the same time. So... I actually can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's like eight or six. So it's not like it's quite strict. Whereas in like Sydney and Melbourne, um, the rules are quite different. So you like, you can drink and like the intros are like in a lounge usually. So you're kind of just like hanging out more like a strip club type of vibe. Whereas in Queensland, it's very like one person goes out at a time and it's quite different. Um, and then, yeah, I guess private escorting, it depends again on the state because like in Victoria you can only do well legally you can only do out calls you can't do in calls um that's illegal um but then like in Sydney you can kind of do whatever you want so the laws are a lot more um lax in Sydney so yeah it really depends where you are and I guess what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve is uh, the law enforcement of all of that, like, really strict? I wonder in places where it's more decrim, it, is it a lot more law enforcement? Are they kind of the, I don't even know what the um, opposite of that is. <laughs> um, I think it, I, I mean, it definitely is law enforcement, um, but I, I guess probably, like, anywhere they tend to target workers who are more marginalised. So if you're somebody who is able to take deposits um, or screen clients, like, I think you could kind of do whatever you like. Um, I mean, I definitely know that people don't necessarily um, go by the laws that are set in, like, Victoria for no in-calls. Um, but if you're able to, yeah, I guess screen and take deposits, you're fine most of the time. But... I guess it's those workers who aren't necessarily in a position to do that who, yeah, cop the brunt of law enforcement, unfortunately. Well, thank you for answering such technical questions for, <laughs> I don't know why, I, I just, I guess I should be interested, I am interested in this, but I should be looking it up myself, but I'm just like disgustingly asking people like, can you just explain your whole country's policies to me, please? It's really, really rude of me. <laughs> no, it's so tricky with Australia too, though, that yeah, every state has different laws. And it's not like the states are. Like, Brisbane and Sydney, you can drive between. Like, I like you can drive over the border so easily. So people who, like, in Queensland, you can't do doubles privately, so you're not allowed to have two workers seeing the same client at the same time. Um, or I guess you guys call them duos a lot of the time, I think. A doubles, duos, that whatever you want to call the accepted that. terminology. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, duos. <laughs> Okay, I have so many questions. I don't know which I want to start with. Also, you can just say, I don't want to share that story. So stop asking me, Sienna. God. 
So I was gonna, I'm torn, I'm torn between asking you about like the brothel experiences, but I guess I also just want to know like, what's that origin story of like even considering sex work or doing it for the first time? Cause you said you were 18. It could have been a multitude of reasons. Yeah. So like I, um, I had a lot of debt at the time when I started thinking about doing sex work from, um, just medical stuff. Um, and I guess I wasn't in a position or my family wasn't in a position to help me with that. Um, and I was working full time at the time, um, kind of like in the fitness industry and I was just making like the most dismal money and working the longest hours. Um, and a friend, one of my best friends actually, who isn't in the industry at all, she, lent me a copy of Secret Diary of a Call Girl, which is so embarrassing. Like, I think that might be the first media I saw, well, second media I saw Pretty Woman first, but then it was the whole series. What is there, two series? But there's a, two or three books. I've read two mm-hmm. of the books. I think there might be a third now. So, yeah, I can't, I honestly can't remember. Um, but she, yeah, she lent me the book and I read the book and I ended up watching a TV series. And... I actually can't remember, like, I can't remember my exact thought process or how it happened, but I pretty much just Googled it, and I was like, oh, it's legal, like, righto, I'll just send a little email over (laughs) to one of the brothels. I think I just, like, looked up the websites and saw what I thought looked cool. I mean, why not? It's it's right there anyways. Why not check it out? And also, she really made it look kind of glamorous. But in the book, what I liked is that she kind of wrote the tally. She was like, I got this much from the booking. I had to give this much to the agency. And so every day kind of started out with like a tally. And I I like that visualization, I guess, of even just like your earning potential. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I didn't, um, like I really didn't research anything other than what I'd seen in that book, which to me now, that's so 18 of me. And like, that just seems insane for me. But I, yeah, I emailed a place and they asked me to come in for like an interview, which really isn't an interview. You just like rock up and they're like, hey, have you done this before? And you're like, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. And they show you. <laughs> um, so wait, 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 that. what did they show you? <laughs> Like the, fa- like, the facility or, like, there's, like, a peephole? Like, yeah. What? Like, they just – I remember yeah. – <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I just remember I sat in the office, like, with the manager, and we watched on the cameras. Like, there's not cameras in the actual booking rooms, but there's cameras in the, like, lounge area and the girls' room and stuff. So – um, they just showed me, like, the client came to the door and then we watched, like, the girls go and introduce themselves and stuff and then they're like, okay, what happens now is they, like, the guy will go give the manager the money and then the manager will give, like, split that between the girl and the girl will go get him and then she'll come back. And so they, like, walked me through what would happen. Um, and then they talked to me about, like, you had to get a health check and stuff before you started. And then they're like, when do you want to start? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, righto. I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I just went to my first shift and I was like, I kind of had told myself that if I, it felt very relaxed and chill. So I was like, if I don't feel comfortable, I'll just leave. Like, it's no big deal. It really didn't seem that crazy. But I just went and I 
yeah, I did my first booking. I got booked straight away when I was there. And then, yeah, off I went. I was kind of waiting to feel something after I did the first booking. Like, would I feel bad or would it feel scary? I was kind of just like, cool, I have more money than I did before. And that was easy. So... Not like you sold your soul to the devil and your life was over now and you were going to burn in hell as a prostitute. I think I was really waiting for that feeling and then I was kind of like, oh, that was uneventful. (laughs) I imagine it was probably quite um, sorority like even or like a bunch of like friends and sisters. Like, I don't know if it's like a more liberated work environment, I guess. Liberated work environment, like everyone has your back because you're so vulnerable, maybe? Yeah, it did. Like, I mean, it's definitely, I've worked, I mean, I've worked in a bunch of places over the years, um, not just that one I started in. So I've definitely gone to places and I've been like, this is not (laughs) where I want to be and left. But that particular place that I started working in, yeah, I made really, really good friends there. And it was really the first place I felt like I really fit in or made really, really good friends, um, which is, yeah, kind of funny to say, but I never I never had, like, a big group of friends or anything in high school. Um, oh, my God, my soul so, sister. Like, yeah. Me too. So, <laughs> yeah, so to go into that place and then just, yeah, as you said, everybody kind of has your back. Um, you are all there together having this kind of like weird experience of this other world. Lots of people at that place that I was working hadn't told other people in their life. So you kind of like had this bonding experience. And we were also just really silly so much of the time. Like I remember doing things like, like playing hide and seek when we were bored. And like we there would be a guy that came in for like every week at the same time and got everybody to intro and then he would never book. So then one week we just like decided we were all just going to dress up completely ridiculous and just like put the stupidest outfits on, you know, like wearing like 10 t-shirts at the same time and stuff. And then just like went into these intros that were just like, Hey, like, what do you want to do? Like I offer hair braiding and unicorns. (laughs) so we just had so much fun that's kind of like the purest thing I've ever heard really that's adorable (laughs) sounds like summer camp yeah literally like summer camp like we had so much fun um and I mean I still have friends that I met um that I met there in that first year that I was working and they all actually I don't think any of those friends are working anymore um, but we've all gone, like, through uni together, like, got married, gone to their weddings and stuff. So it's just, like, yeah, I've made really, really good friends. From- yeah, I was going to say, you don't have no good friend group anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess, uh, so you said you worked at different brothels. Were the rates all kind of similar between all the brothels? I was just curious. Yeah, for sure. They're pretty much standard everywhere. Um yeah, you pretty much make the same thing no matter where you work. Um, and it's usually like, I actually don't know what it is now, but when I was working, it was like two fifty for an hour, but you only get half. So half goes to the brothel, you get the other half, which is a pretty crappy deal in the end. But, but you can charge 
add extras on top of that. What are the ex? What are the extras? Yeah. So this is a so like two the standard service in most places, and it will depend like on the particular place. But it's usually just a massage, which nobody wants, oral on the client, um, and then sex. But like kissing and anything isn't like you don't have to do that. You can charge extra for that, or you can just not do it. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but the tricky part, well, the thing that I found really tricky and what I liked about moving to private work was that, like, lots of clients don't know that that's the system system, or that's how it works. So they come in expecting, obviously, that they're paying their money and that they're going to get, like, kissing and stuff, and then you're like, no, I don't offer that. That's not, like, I'm only getting, like, $100, so I'm not doing that. Um, And then that just ends up like a tug of war that, like, you don't need to play. It's a big turnoff, too, though, like, arguing about whether or not you're going to get a kiss or have to pay more. But I understand it's in, like, obviously the brothel's business interest to not be painting that picture, obviously. Yeah. It, but it's just, it's a tricky, tricky thing. Because, yeah, then you end up having this weird conversation about, like, do you want to pay $50 for kissing or not? <laughs> and that's not... Yeah, it's not the nicest start <laughs> to a booking. So roles um, reverse. Don't have to do that anymore. I think they do. They would be doing the same though. Roles reversed if more was required from them. I was also just curious about what like the screening is for a brothel. I'm sorry, I've like never. I probably will never work in a brothel in Australia. Do they screen the clients at all? Or they just have to show their ID maybe when they come in, or they don't have to because no, there's cameras. They just, there's cameras, so um, they just rock up they walk in <laughs> you usually like they usually have to buzz in so like they have the manager has to let them in the door um but then they just sit down there's cameras so in the girls room where you're usually hanging out you can see the client on the camera before you walk out so like if you're like oh i know that person you don't have to go <laughs> obviously but that's about it um but all the rooms have like um duress buttons in them normally um Although I've never had to use one. Um, and I mean, if you wanted to, like, if you need to yell, you could yell. And, like, a million people would be running into the room straight away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they don't really do screening. I mean, I guess that's what you pay for is, I guess, safety and just not having to provide your own establishment, which it does still seem like a cheap, a cheap, a steep amount of money. But I guess it does make some yeah. sense. Yeah, and I mean, it makes it easier, right, because you just rock up to work and you don't have to think about any of that stuff, which I think is a lot of the reason that lots of people do that type of work is that there's none of the messaging back and forth or, like, organizing dates or times. You just show up, you make money, you leave, and that's pretty simple. I've also heard that Scarlet Blue is a bit more expensive than other advertising uh, platforms. I don't know. I've never used it. But I imagine that paying for all your ads just might be more expensive when brothels are legal and they might extra put extra fees up. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't actually think advertising in Australia is that expensive. Like, compared to, like, in New Zealand, advertising is really expensive, apparently. Um, so, because they have... Uh, I mean, I shouldn't talk about New Zealand because I don't know that much about it. But they have, like, one advertising site, and that's the only advertising site you can advertise on. So, obviously, they have a monopoly over 
rates. But yeah, I don't actually think the rates for advertising in Australia are that bad. Okay, awesome. Thanks for clarifying all of those questions. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I remember watching this other Australian brothel series, and I just remember them like going into the room and like going down and like looking at their dick in the face and like inspecting it before every booking. Is that also a thing, or was that just part of that TV series? <laughs> That is 100% a thing. Um, that's what, yeah, we call that a health check. Um, and I don't actually know, I don't know if that's like a legal thing, as in like you have to do that working in a brothel because brothels have lots of weird rules. Um, but yeah, everybody does that. You do that at the start of the booking. So they come into the room, you're like, I'm going to do a health check. If you're super anal about it, well, I think you're supposed to put on gloves before you do it. And then some places have, like, now that I'm saying this, it seems so weird. I'm loving this information. I love it. I love it. I love it. Some places have a torch and you, like, do it with a torch. Because the room's really dark. Oh, like a flashlight. Like, Like not an actual burning torch. Yeah, sorry. I'm actually going to cry because that would be kind of like medieval hot, but like not at all what I'd be expecting. No, but you do that. And then if you see something, I don't, these rules sound so weird now that I say it out loud, but if you see something, like if you're like, there's something there and I don't want to do the booking, you actually, usually places make you get another girl to come and check to look to verify that like that's not like, you're going to reject the booking. Holy shit, that is mortifying. <laughs> like, I cannot imagine being like, um, what is on your dick? Can I get some backup? And then have, like, other women come in and everyone just stare at his penis. I I can't. Okay. <laughs> I have... <laughs> this is the most bizarre story, but I have a story for you. I remember a place I was working, a girl started a booking, and... She came back into the girls' room and she's like, I just did the health check. I need somebody to come look. I don't even know what this situation is. And this guy had had, like, a penis enlargement, I think. But it had gone terribly wrong. And it was just, like, I, I don't even know how to describe what I saw. It was just, like, a grapefruit, but that was his penis. Um, and, but everybody, like, so I went in to do the second check and I was like, I don't, I don't know what you can do with this situation or like why this guy's here. But the guy didn't care, right? He was like, can, we were just so fascinated that this was a thing that everybody who was on the shift came and looked. So there was like eight of us or something <laughs> in there looking at this guy's Watched penis enlargement. Yeah. So that's a weird, a weird phenomenon in brothels. I love that story. And I don't think I'll ever be in that situation. But I mean, yeah, for someone to just say, come take a look at this. And then just like a file of women come in. I mean, if you're like an exhibitionist, that is a dream come true. So. Yeah, I mean, he really didn't mind. He was just telling us about, yeah, what had happened. But yeah, a bit of a fuzzy memory because it was so long ago. But he seemed to enjoy it. We all had a good time. It's cute that you can really check that off your bucket list. I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. 
I mean, I guess that was a terribly good explanation of your experience in brothels and what you did for like, but you probably did it on and off for a decade. It probably wasn't always, um, you probably took like a year off or I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm really guessing here. Yeah, I, um, I started, I worked maybe, uh, I honestly can't remember. When I started working, I maybe did, like, I was doing some full-time works where I was working originally um, in my, I guess, civilian job and then doing some brothel work part-time. And then I switched to just doing shifts at a brothel and quit my um, civilian job. So I was maybe doing three or four shifts every week. And then I did that for maybe two or three years. Um, and then, yeah, I switched to private escorting. And then when I did that, I, yeah, I ended up going back to uni. And now, yeah, I haven't worked full-time as the sex worker for, yeah, maybe six or seven years now. But I actually, yeah, have a full-time civilian job now. So escorting is on the side. <laughs> and I try to manage my time somehow. You haven't um, wanted to retire since then. I think that a lot of people think that you get into sex work and end up doing it for maybe a year or two. And so I guess it's just the curious case of why haven't you retired yet? Answer it for all the curious folks out there. Yeah, I think that's funny. I actually remember when I started, I was like, I'm going to do it for a year and then stop. And I just like, I think you do it. And you're like, oh, well, this is a good way to make some money in my life. Um... And, I mean, definitely of late, I would say in the past two years, um, I've been, I've definitely reduced the amount I work a whole lot just because of time. But I think it's just, I actually wrote a blog post on this literally the other day. I think it's like a cost-first benefit thing, right? Like, you keep on doing it until the cost in your life outweighs the benefit. And, like, I just haven't got to that point yet. So, I think... If you do a booking here and there and make money, like, why not? Um, and then when you get to that point where it's no longer suiting life, that's when you stop. And, yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't go back to, like, full-time brothel work now um, just because that wouldn't suit me. But what I'm doing now suits me fine. It's basically the whole exploit versus empower argument, kind of like what the sell-by date is going to be about now if, like, anyone in sex work is being exploited. And it's like, no, it's actually something that works for me right now and me doing it for years and years um, is kind of proof of that, I suppose. Or even survivally, it's still a, it's, it's a hard conversation to try to explain, I guess. But, I mean, I even have friends who, um, you know, they used to work full-time, um, and now they have other jobs and kids and husbands and they will work for one or two weeks and save some money for a family holiday and then they'll just take their ad down and won't work for the next two years. Like, it's like whatever suits you, right? Um, it's there for you if you need it and want to do it. And if you don't and it doesn't suit your life at a time, take the break. It's, yeah, I think it's great that you can do that and earn the money if you want to. Well, I mean, I think it's purely a female superpower most of the time. Obviously, any gender um, can be a sex worker, but I think it is a, a superpower we're allowed to just, I guess, suppose, have access to instead of being in debt sometimes. Yes, and I'll take that superpower for sure. I'm all right with it. <laughs> 
Um, I guess I was going to ask you about how COVID has been for you because I haven't been talking about it that much on the podcast. I've been talking about it a bit, but I haven't actually released an episode publicly since I think it was like November 30th. So it's, yeah, I should definitely just talk about like COVID and make people feel better, I guess, about their situations a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I definitely... um haven't worked like in person work as much since COVID started um, last year. And I mean, for me, that's just because I have other income streams and like I can, I'm in a like privileged position to make the choice to work when it feels comfortable for me. So I definitely like, yeah, have my toe out of the water, I guess, more in the past 12 months. Just because that's, yeah, the position I've been in, the choice that I've made. But, um, I mean, I think it's really tricky. I think I've got lots of friends who've really struggled over the past 12 months, like, who rely on sex work for their main income. Um, And, yeah, where I live, well, in most of Australia, there was a period of time where they just, yeah, basically said sex work is illegal at this point in time like you can't do that um which I guess makes sense but it's also really hard for everybody um who makes their income that way and I guess at least if you're working privately um I mean I definitely have friends who continue to take bookings with regular clients that you know they could trust during the times where you weren't supposed to um but if you're working in a brothel and that's how you rely on income and the brothel is shut for six months like what do you do like that's my I just yeah I felt sick thinking about that um for those workers that be in that position um it's a really really scary place to be in I think did you try to start an OnlyFans and join the join the transference of sex work <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I'm I'm not I haven't really done any online work I've um I mean at the start of COVID for sure spoke to clients and stuff like pay bookings on the phone um but I think I'm I mean I'm such a private person I'm yeah I don't think only fans is is the thing for me it really is an entirely different job. How did you deal with COVID, though? Did you Were you one of those people that figured out a new language in the first month, or did you have a couple of mental breakdowns? Like, just good to know how that went for you. I was, I was not so impressive. I really did go the breakdown for quite a few months, right? <laughs> Australia, you guys have kind of been COVID free for maybe like what four or five months now, and you all can just go about the city and not have to wear masks, type of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been it goes up and down. Um, there's been outbreaks in some places, and then you have to wear masks for a couple of weeks, and then 
once they're back down to zero cases or close to zero, yeah, you can just go back out and walk around. So, yeah, it's honestly been pretty chill where I am. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like that much. It's affected most of the time. Um, and when you do have to wear a mask, yeah, I mean, that's not really the worst thing that's ever happened, right? <laughs> like, if I have to wear a mask to go to the supermarket. I mean, yeah, that's I, yeah. totally fine. I follow this Australian... Um I don't know if she's like a personal trainer, like a health coach chick, Melissa LeMann. I don't know how, but I follow her on Snapchat and she just, she can just go everywhere without a mask on. And I'm just like envious of her day-to-day life in the sunshine <laughs> and the no mask. Yeah, uh, we definitely had to, like at my severe job, wear masks at work for a lot of last year. Um, and that was like just annoying but I mean again if that's what you have to do that's what you have to do it's really not the end of the world totally well we will get through it and we'll see what happens this new year who knows (laughs) what's in store brace yourself anything could happen And I mean, okay, yeah, this is why I wanted to have a chat with you apart from all those fantastic stories was to talk about your, do you want to call it a brand? Is it the organized escort brand? Is it the persona? Is it the, what do you call it? The blog? Yeah, um, the blog. <laughs> I don't know, brand, no, brand's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I would just like to hear what it is. I have, um, I guess, been following you for quite some time and I see that Casey I didn't know what to call this do you call the manuals that you make do you call them blog posts it's a bit of both um yeah I guess I'll let you explain it I'm just gonna mess it up and call it all the wrong things so (laughs) I don't know yeah I don't know if I'll get it right but that's okay um yeah so I guess I started the organized escort brand for about a year maybe a year and a half ago I actually yeah, about a year and a half ago. Um, and at the time, I was having some time off my day job. Um, and I wasn't studying at the time. So I was just, yeah, I guess I had too much time on my hands and ideas bubbling in my brain. Um, and I just started building this kind of website and blog and started blogging. Um, I guess just writing about my experiences, but also business stuff. And I had always kind of had the idea that I would like to build it into where I'm selling guides and products that can be helpful to people. Um, But I guess because I am so private, I understand people's, um, I guess, hesitancy to trust um, faceless people on the internet talking about sex work. Um, so I really wanted to spend a lot of time um, building the brand and blogging and providing free content, I guess, to show people that, like, I have been in the industry. I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> uh, I guess building that trust because I understand how tricky it can be for people to, um, yeah, I guess, trust people in this kind of space. Um, but, yeah, now I've got some like ebooks or guides um, out and that's really cool. I've really been enjoying um, making those and compiling them. Um, and it's really just, yeah, I guess when I started escorting, um, you know, I did Google around and trying to find resources and I just couldn't find anything that I thought was relevant um, 
people are up to date. And so I guess I just want to create what I would have wanted when I was starting. Like, I'm sorry, relevant to what though? Do you mean like a how-to guide in essence or do you mean more like in the context of Australian or in the year that you were working just to... Yeah, I guess just relevant to escorting like in the modern day. Like I did find one, and I mean, this is eight years ago or whatever, right? So things have changed in that time. But yeah, when I started and Googled, I do remember finding one... Um, ebook on escorting and it was just like written 20 years ago talking about like newspaper advertising and you're just like is this relevant to what I'm doing like what about Twitter what about you know how do you screening clients when it's when you have Facebook like I don't know like all those things um yeah it just felt really out of date I mean, I've seen, um, I guess, the Honest Cortesian, but she talks more about, like, news, I guess, and politics and specific and history. And then there was the Internet Guides to Escorting or something, but that's sold out and you can't buy it anymore now. I think that's all I've heard of for how-to guides from, like, a year and a half ago, aside from, like, one or two podcasts or something. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, too, like, I guess I felt that... Um, when I started, I guess, like, you know, taught business skills. I mean, why would you, it's not like you go to, like, escort school and, like, oh, you come and get your, like, business skills and off you go. Honestly, I think so someone's trying like, to make it. I'm not even joking. And it's maybe not a bad idea, like, <laughs> porn school, too. Like, I don't know. Maybe well, it's up, maybe it's out there. Maybe you're listening right now. <laughs> no, maybe. Tell us. We want to know. <laughs> but it's just, like, there's, like, no business resources for us well I didn't feel like there was um in like yeah how do you make a budget when your income is completely variable like how do you um I guess you know like see friends talking about um advertising and like you know we're all asking each other like how do you find the best advertising like where should you advertise what should you spend your money on and it's like, you know, there's business principles that you can put in place for those things to figure that out rather than just guessing. But we don't know that stuff. We don't get taught that stuff. We just kind of figure it out. And I'm like, it's taken me a long time to figure out, like, have my business running the way it is. And it would have been great if I had those resources. Yeah. 10 years ago or eight years ago when I started escorting. I think there's like a really big reluctancy to even think of you escorting um, as being an actual business. And so there's almost like an internal hurdle you have to get over of like, oh, this is a business. I should treat it like a business. And then once they get over that hurdle, they anyone personally gets over that hurdle, then uh, yeah, having this kind of resource is great. You have like a quite a focus on finances, which I think is super useful. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, when I started, I definitely didn't think of it as a business. And I actually remember when it started Brothel Work, they're like, oh, we can give you a tax kit, um, how to set it up. And everybody's just like, nah, because you're just going to keep the cash, right? Like, you're like, I don't want to do my tax. Um, they were going to give you a tax um, kit? A what? Well, to, like, set up your, like, because you have to have a business number in Australia, so you have to apply for your business number. Okay. Uh, so they can give you a kit on, like, how to do all that stuff. Oh, I see. But okay. Just, but everybody just says no, because you just, like, cool, I have heaps of cash. I'm going to keep it. 
just cash. But it's like you get to a point where there's only so much you can do with cash, right? Like You can't really you buy, can't a house buy a house with, with $30,000 that you've never paid taxes on. And people are going to be like, um, excuse yeah. me, I thought you made like $10 last year. Where's all this money coming from? That doesn't work in the long run. Exactly. And like, if, if you do just want to work with cash and do that, like zero judgment. But I've kind of felt like I got to this point where I'm like, crap, I'm actually making quite good money, but I literally can't do anything with it because I've just been not doing anything properly and I have no proof of time so yeah I guess I just wish that I'd done that earlier rather than um yeah just not taking it seriously oh did you hear that she wishes that she had dealt with it earlier rather than later and all of you out there that think that you'll probably be fine not paying your taxes it will likely come back and bite you in the ass one day and I am not being the IRS or the CRA but I just, you know, sleeping at night is, it's a good feeling despite the, the handshake at the sky of why do I pay people so much money to have sex, but, uh, yeah, or not have sex because obviously you don't actually get paid for sex. You get paid for being yourself, of course. Um, it's funny though, because it kind of makes me think of hospitality workers, which I think a lot of sex workers have been at some point and then almost no hospitality workers report the tips even though they're supposed to so i get yeah, that so we don't do tips here oh i was gonna ask that okay oh they never I mind so confused. the whole time i haven't been to canada but the whole time i was in the u.s i'm like i don't understand like how much money am i supposed to be giving this person that's bringing me food i don't know but also why am i paying their wage like i thought i was just here to eat i didn't realize i was employing this person <laughs> Yeah, we just, unless you're at, like, a really fancy restaurant, you just basically don't tip. Like, if you're at a really fancy restaurant and you're feeling fancy, you might tip, but generally not. I mean, I like that policy. It really is a responsibility of your employer to pay you a wage, um, and the fact that that's put on the consumer is kind of gross. Yeah, not a fan. Um... That's funny. I was reading some article about it and I think it started back, back, I don't know when, when I guess colonizers came over and they were just trying to show their appreciation for all the hard work that lower classes did. Um, and somehow that remains to this day. I mean, it just, it's pretty wild. <laughs> I get on so many tangents. Yeah. Please, please forgive me. Um, so, okay. Could you give an example of some of the things, um, I guess, cause you said you give a lot of content away for free just to give people an idea of what you're making. Um, could you maybe tell me what some of the recent ones you've posted are and if you have, um, put a price to some of the guides or eBooks and what they would maybe entail? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I guess I post heaps of stuff on a blog. I try to post once a week or more than that um but it gets a bit tricky with work obviously um but I mean some of the more recent things I posted is uh talking about Twitter everybody loves when I talk about how much I don't like Twitter which I think is kind of funny um they're living vicariously uh, yeah <laughs> um yeah I I mean I talk a lot about social media um I recently posted um tips for brothel intros, um, things about, like, I guess, marketing, why 
talk about email lists a lot. I think using email lists to contact clients is a great. Um, oh my god, especially now when we all are being at risk of being deplatformed. Just get it. Just get it established. Yes. Even if you don't want to send mailing letters out right now, just maybe get it set up anyways yes. for the day that you might need that. That yeah, I just think it's such a yeah a powerful resource to have. Yeah, with being deplatformed, and I mean you can download like a file of all your subscribers so you always have that information um, rather than like Twitter followers or whatever. So, I mean, I talk about that stuff a lot. Yeah, I guess I just talk about money management and um, I guess running your business as an escort and mostly focusing on escorting um, rather than other types of sex work only because that's, I guess, what I know. Um but I try to post lots and lots of stuff on the blog because I just think it's, um, I guess I think it's important that there is free information out there. Um, and then I've tried to focus the guides that are paid um, on more specific subjects and I guess more of a deep dive. All the information on those subjects is compiled so you're not having to dig around um, and try to find all the different info. Um so, yeah, I just did one on deposits, which um, is pretty cool. So deposits for escorts, um, just all the information about how to ask for deposits, how I kind of try to get clients to pay deposits and, like, the method I've found that's really successful for that, how to write deposit policies so that you're not having to pay people back deposits because that's definitely something I've done in the past. Um, and, yeah, and then I've just done a guide for internet safety as well, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, there's a really more deep dive. There's so much free info on the blog. I mean, um, I get started for sure. I think that's great. What cost have you put on these uh, guides that you created? Yeah, so um, the... They're in Australian dollars because I'm Australian. <laughs> um, the internet safety guide is thirty-four Australian dollars, and then the deposit is a little. The deposits guide is a little bit cheaper. It's twenty-seven. Um, I'm just like gonna Google what one Australian dollar is. I'm so stupid. What is? What yeah, is, I don't. I have no cute. idea. What is the abbreviation? The three-letter abbreviation for the Australian dollar? AUD. Of course. Ugh, what's wrong with me? Oh, it's it's about 0. 0.02 off, so it's about equivalent. Yeah, right. I didn't realize it was that close. Commonwealth. Well, that doesn't make any sense because the UK is like times 2.2. So, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's just, um, I think it's so important. Like, I try. It's invaluable to get this from someone that's obviously spent all the time you have writing this to be applicable and to work which matters, like if you get even one more booking because of these methods and you feel safe about it, that's worth $30 ones to me. Yeah, and I guess like I um, I feel that sharing that information in that way enables it to be a lot cheaper than if you were doing like one-on-one um, coaching or mentorship or whatever it is. And I mean, I think that like, I think mentorship is so valuable if you have the resources to do it. Um, but obviously, like, if you're starting out and you don't have a lot of cash, um, or even if you're not starting out and you just don't want to spend the money on that mentorship, 
Um, I think it's good to have an option that's more cost-effective because not everybody can be splashing out, spending hundreds of dollars on mentorship. Um, and obviously these guides aren't going to cover every situation um, or have the same, I guess, individualized support as mentorship. But I still just, um, yeah, I just think it's really important to be able to have them at a more accessible price point for people. I, I totally agree. I think the thing with mentorship too, not that it's bad, but I think that having a relationship where you vibe with the mentor matters, which is kind of always going to be up in the air. If you're just hiring someone because you like their branding, you might not, you know, vibe with them that well, which might result in you not getting the same amount of education you wanted, but also a lot of mentorship is being able to ask the right question. And that's kind of hard on the spot, especially if you're new or if you haven't explored this area yet to know what to ask. And so I kind of really like that about your guide is that it's all written there. You don't have to think of the questions. You've spent a lot of time thinking about all of the questions and the answers and uh, takes all that pressure off, which I, I really like. Yeah. And I mean, then hopefully people can take it and apply it to their working situation as they want to and as is relevant to them. Um, but yeah, I just think that lower price point and also having lots of the free info is really important for people who are just starting out. Um, yeah. Um, there's been a, okay. Yeah. I wrote this down here that I just said that I really like, um, that there are more sex workers writing how to's and it's not people outside of the industry. Um, there's obviously a lot of us that worked at agencies or brothels to begin with. Um, and we learned, I don't even know if it's right to say that we learned how to escort there. It's more just, okay. So I, (laughs) I've been so trying to avoid saying that I think that all agencies are bad because I do, I have not met every agency owner. I have not been to every, I I do not know that. Um, my own experience with it was very unpleasant. Um, so I think that they end up teaching you because they just profit off of you a lot. And, um, it doesn't really matter that you don't know things yet because they still turn a profit and it's kind of your own fault for figuring things out. However you do manage to figure things out in the moment um but there i don't know if you guys have the same amount of trolling in australia as we do on twitter here um but there's an agency that named out some women that had worked there years ago and non-consensually was using them as advertisement and i had made yes i saw that i had made a post and said did you ask them this isn't cool um also discretion so many things like you have to non-consensually use them as your pr that's not okay um, but all these trolls are writing, oh, look at all these girls not thanking the agencies that taught them. And I don't know that I agree that agencies teach you, but it's kind of like a, an environment where it doesn't really matter that you don't know. And it's possible yeah. that trying to do it independently, not knowing might be more difficult, but I'm trying I think that this thing of like having your how-to guides or look at what you should maybe do in this situation is a good alternative if you don't want to subject yourself to potentially a bad experience with an agency. Um, it sounds like brothels are a lot more fun than agencies uh, with the whole it being legal <laughs> well, and sisterly. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I actually have never worked at an agency. Like I just went straight from brothel to private um so yeah I have zero experience with agencies and what they're like um and obviously as well I think it's important like I had a really positive experience at the places that 
I started working at, but I've also worked at brothels that were freaking horrible um, <laughs> and had really poor experiences with terrible managers. Um, so, yeah, no, I do agree with you. Um, it's I nice think, to have options, I guess. Yeah, and I do, like, I really enjoyed learning in that environment where, as you said, like, it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but it's just, like, a bit... Like, the expectations are lower or something. I don't know. Like, I felt quite safe um, learning in that environment. And, yeah, I, I mean, I know people who just started escorting, like, before they did, like, that was their first experience. And I'm like, that to me is terrifying just in terms of anxiety. <laughs> How would you know what to do? I, I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. Like, if you've had sex before, hopefully you know what to do. But still... It's just, yeah, I think that it's just like a, a maybe apprehensive or just a bit scared of what, yeah, what the personality you're supposed to be portraying is. But I don't think that it's fair to say that agencies created all of our talents or skills. That's, that's, that's reaching a bit for me. (laughs) Definitely. Agencies are benefiting something off of newbies in 18, 19 year olds joining um, with no experience they are not yeah. benefiting nothing from that so yeah I mean it's a business right they're definitely benefiting well I'm glad that you have um added this to the internet escort database because there's a huge database out there it's funny because we exist in these weird portals and we just have to know to be able to find each other which is primarily through social media yes, <laughs> yes. yeah it's do you have any I, other how to content writers or sex worker writers or something that you're currently a big fan of? Yeah, this is funny. I don't actually really follow any like content creators in terms of the how to space. Um, I literally only this morning came across um, like an OnlyFans University page on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Wait, what? Um, so. Yes, I, I'll have to find it and send it to you. It was, yeah, OnlyFans University. And I'm like, what is this? Um, that's a bit of an aside, though. No, 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 no. I like to learn things. Anyways, yes. OnlyFans University. Um, yeah, I literally only came across that this morning. Hold on, I'll answer your question properly. Yeah, OnlyFans University. I'll send it to you on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, you said you wrote a blog piece about social media and your thoughts. What are your thoughts on social media? What is your take? What's Amelia's hot? What's my take? Um, Yeah, I guess social media. What's my take on social media? Um, I guess my experience, and I guess too, I'm not in the OnlyFans online content space, so my opinion's not being in that work um, and being mainly doing in-person work, I just think we place far too much importance on our Twitter presence and on, I mean, Instagram presence or whatever your social media of choice is. I feel like, I guess in Australia, there feels like this pressure to be on Twitter and sharing things and, like, providing so much information about your life and lots of workers do that and they're successful and that's totally fine if that's what you're comfortable with um but as someone who's quite private to me the idea of 
tweeting selfies every day or posting where I'm going and what I'm doing is really unappealing to me. And it kind of feels like there's this message that if you don't share that information, like you won't be successful. Like that's what you have to do. That's the baseline. And I guess I've just found that so isn't the case. Like I don't even have social media for my escort persona anymore. And I'm just fine. Um, it kind of seems like you have all these followers, but if you're in one city and that's where you're working and you have 20,000 followers, like, where do those followers even live? Like, are they booking you? <laughs> What's the point of them following you and seeing all your content? Like, especially if you're a private person and you're not doing online work. I mean, like, yeah, 20,000 no followers. Twenty thousand followers does not equal twenty thousand um, dollars. It's like a popularity contest with no prize, I suppose, is what it. Yeah, and it just feels like there's like if you're not getting money from those followers, like what are you posting for? <laughs> like I just don't like it's just like people consuming your stuff. I guess my view and the way that I run my business, my escorting business, is trying to build relationships with clients um, and foster that as my income source rather than like putting everything out to the world um and that's just me because I'm a private person and I would rather not share all that stuff on the internet um and I've found that to be really successful so I guess my view is just that it doesn't have to be important and you don't have to be posting every part of your life if you don't want to you can be just as successful without doing that I would agree. It does not amount to any dollar value to have more followers. And the environment is pretty, I guess, toxic in the way that it's very critical um, and reactive. And it's very hard to actually be yourself. So you're always going to be presenting the cookie cutter um, marketing version of yourself. And also you're going to be probably spending money on these photo shoots and not getting anything in return for it. So if you want to be doing that and posting something every day, even if it's just like a fun tweet, there is nothing wrong with making like the cheapest OnlyFans you can. What is that? Three or five dollars a month. And then just saying, go check out my three dollar. Like you would at least then get paid for all the work you're putting in if you want to be doing that. I yeah. found that to be kind of a good idea. You might not get that many followers, but you know, you would for some re- be doing it for some reason, at least because on Twitter, it really is just a, a popularity contest with no winning and probably very highly criticized, um, which is going to have a huge effect on your mental health, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's something that I found as well, that it kind of feels like you're, well, I felt found myself comparing myself to other people on Twitter and feeling less than others. Um, oh my god comparing like no other comparing is a bit yeah and I I wrote this in a post somewhere on the blog but I was having a conversation with a friend one day talking about like you know I just don't have I'm not getting overnight bookings anymore like what am I doing wrong like why aren't I getting these bookings and she's like do you even want overnight bookings like knowing me and I'm like Wait, was that you that posted that meme that was like me saying I want overnight bookings and me on the morning (laughs) after the overnight booking, like trying to do my homework or something and not being able to do it? What was that meme? Like it's, yeah, that was me. And she's just like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, you don't even like them. Like, you're doing fine. Like, why are you so worried about them? Like, oh yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you're right. I do hate that. What the fuck? 
yeah, it's just like, it's not something that suits my life um, or my personality or the way that I sleep. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know why I feel like I have to do that. But it's like this thing of like, you need the longest booking or the fanciest hotel to feel successful. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, going to get... I think that's really disappointing. I'm going to get cancelled, but like, what if I fart? you know, in the bed and then I can't go anywhere. Like that to me gives me so much dread. Cause like, don't you like, I feel like women, especially like some women don't even poop at their boyfriend's house for the first six months of dating them. And like, why would it be any different with a client that you don't know? Like in the morning, what if you have to like go to the bathroom and be like, I can't. It's just, yeah, it's anxiety. I can definitely do it if I need to do it. But, um, yeah, can't I stop it. it <laughs> I'm sorry. Leave it to me to talk about poop, but there is a very good TED talk. Um, do you know where your poop goes? And I think everyone should watch it. It is liquid gold, folks. Um, yes. Okay. We were gonna get into your favorite content creators that isn't OnlyFans University. Yeah, that was yeah. That was a wild. Um, <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, content creators. Yeah, I don't really follow any how-to content creators, but I love yeah Jack the Stripper, which I'm sure everybody already knows of. But she's amazing. Uh, um, she yeah, posts hilarious comics, and she she made a book a while ago that I bought, and that's great. My lovely um, friend Lil Milk uh, has one of her sweaters, and I really want to get one, just like of the ass or something, like a really cozy bunny hug with just some of her art on it. That's that's on my to do list. Definitely, yeah. She's just, I mean, she's hilarious. Um, and then actually, Andrea Werhon. I don't know if that's actually how you say her last name. But she wrote The Modern Whore, which is, I don't know if, like, it's widely known of a book, but... I literally had her on the podcast, like, maybe the 10th episode? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um... I don't think you can buy the book anymore, but she's redoing like a revised version with bonus um, chapters that I think will be out maybe this year. So look for the new edition that's going to be released. Edition, yeah. It's like a bunch of short stories. What? Sorry. I must have been on her email list because I got got an email that said about the revised version. But yeah, I think she's great. And that book is, yeah, awesome. Did you watch her uh, little prime that... Prime video that was going to be shown at it's like what 13 minutes yeah it was it was very entertaining yeah. she's very like pinup girl or something it's it's a cute vibe yeah she's very much a performer and I love that for her because she's so she goes like 110 percent into yeah. the character she's, and I mean she's just gorgeous so yeah I think she's great I mean she talks relentlessly about her big naturals and they are indeed beautiful big naturals so episode i didn't know you had her on that's awesome yeah um okay what else do we have on here i mean i guess we covered all the brackets important stuff i guess we were just gonna talk about anything else you wanted to just broadly share with uh clients and escorts and bystanders about just your personal experiences and whatnot yeah for sure i guess yeah i guess this is what i share on the blog and 
probably relentlessly on Twitter. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I just want to advocate for treating sex work like a public business. Um, I know I just kind of fell into the industry and didn't really think about what I was doing, um, and it worked out okay for me. Um, but I didn't think about it as starting a business, and um, you know, I just needed to make money at the time. I wasn't like sitting down writing a business plan and thinking like, what do I want to achieve in ten years? Um, but when I started taking it really seriously and putting effort into setting up my business, was when I really started making proper money, good money, stable money, um, and being able to live the life that I wanted to live. So I guess if I have any, like, words of wisdom, it's just, like, you know, like, have fun and do your thing, but um, think about where you want to be and try to set yourself up. Um, and it doesn't have to be all serious all the time, but if you can get to the point where you're living the life that you want to live um, and... Yeah, living rather than just working and just not stressing about where your next booking's going to come from. That's that's where you want to be. So hopefully, um, some of the info I can share can help others get to that point a lot quicker than the ten years that it took me. <laughs> took me. Um, it's funny because we're both twenty eight years old, so I think that maybe listen to both of our advice, and you might be what is twenty eight times two. I'm so done. 56 with all this wisdom but uh it is like an older person or maybe not maybe just once you become knowage that investing is really the only way that you'll be able to I think relax in life like you can't be just working to earn a wage and not be investing and I know it seems hard but if you just put away like five percent of every month's earnings if you can um I mean, it's 10% is like, whoa, ideal because I mean, honestly, rent costs are so high and other things right now, but it's by investing that stuff that you'll actually be able to turn some kind of a profit that isn't directly off of the hours you've worked. Is that your experience as well? Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and I think if you're, I mean, I've definitely lived booking to booking or week to week or whatever it is before, but, um, yeah, I think being able to build something for yourself that isn't, as you said, um, just off the time that you're putting in, like physical time you're spending with clients, um, is where, yeah, where you want to be if you want to feel more stable. Um, because that, yeah, variable income can be really hard to get a hold of. Um, but if you can put in the work, you can definitely get to a point where you don't have to feel so stressed all the time because I definitely used to feel stressed about money 24-7. And I mean, I think a large part of that was you knew you had to work a certain hour, a certain amount of hours per week. And if that wasn't the only um, thing you were you were depending on, then it might just be a little bit easier to maybe only work 20 hours one week, one week every other month, have like 10 hours off or something. That would make a huge difference, I think. That's my experience now anyways. Yeah, for sure starting to invest a little bit and seeing really the difference um with what that brings and just I guess a little bit of beginner's luck I probably <laughs> don't even know what I'm doing but the point is just try and I think that a lot of <laughs> finance well I think a lot of uh I think a lot of the finance industry is trying to make it look like it's something you can't understand without years and years and years of experience but in reality it's really nothing in life is not 
figure it out that's a book out there i forget oh, who did that but you can totally figure it out it is not beyond you just because they use jargon it is made for you and me just take a take a look it's okay take a look it's in a book what is that what is wrong with you <laughs> i was gonna ask though i was just curious about the stigma do you think that it's the same as other places or a little bit better because it's decriminalized in australia no, um, I reckon it's probably the same as most other places. I don't think it's that much of a difference here. Um, and I mean, yeah, not all of Australia has decrim. Like, there's places where it's completely illegal in Australia. So, yeah, I would say stigma probably not that different. I did not know <laughs> that. I, I read Revolting Prostitutes, so I read half of it, and I really liked it. Um, and I guess... Was that this past year that a bit of Australia did the full decrim that was part of Australia this past year? Yeah, it's actually, I actually don't know enough about this. Okay, to, that's to okay, that's an, okay. <laughs> to be an eligible person, but, um, like, even, we talk about Sydney, which is in New South Wales, being full decrim, but then I actually don't think it is full decrim, because um, they still have lots of rules, like, if you... Um, like if you were doing street work and you were near a school like that's illegal and you can't find for it which I guess like kind of makes sense but then I mean I just think like if you're doing street work near a school like is the best thing to find that person and give them a criminal offense like probably not <laughs> like, so they're not yeah. talking to I children mean, type thing so yeah yeah I mean, the the one where um, workers aren't allowed to work together and even if they work in the same hotel and don't know each other on the premises, they can both get a ticket. I mean, that blows my mind. That seems a bit excessively yeah, ridiculous. So Queensland, right? Queensland has the most bizarre rules um, that, I mean, every state has bizarre rules. And then, yeah, Victoria, you can only work out calls, not in calls. And I'm like, who made that rule? That's bizarre. <laughs> Maybe uh, so, the yeah. second decade of the 21st century will be the sex workers taking back some power. It is the it um, social justice trend of sorts, I guess, this decade. So we'll see if any progress gets made. Um, yeah, okay. I like to end the podcast with some fun questions like asking you what um, some of your favorite books are, either ever or of late. Yeah, I um, was thinking about this question. And yeah, I recently read this book completely unrelated to sex work by, by Meg Jay called The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter. Um, and this is written by a psychologist. Um, but it really just resonated with me. It's kind of just like some straight talking, telling you to get your shit together um, and to figure out what you want in life and, like, get on moving. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of my vibe. <laughs> but, yeah, it, I just really thought it was a great book and I wish I'd read it in my early 20s or my late 20s. But she really just talks about, um, you know, 
lots of people in their 20s um, or teens now kind of just like, oh, I'm just in my 20s, like it's all good, I'll figure it out later. And she's like, no, you need to figure it out now. Like, if you want to be where you want to be when you're 35 or 40, like, this is the time to start moving. Stop dating dudes that are assholes. Stop just, like, spending your money um, on makeup and clothes. Like, get your life together. And I just, yeah, definitely not a soft fairy book, but, yeah. No, I like that. Like it really was. I think that a lot of us are seeking guidance, especially in our 20s, so almost need to read that. It's funny because this chick whose podcast I listen to, Christine Hassler, she has a book that she um, wrote called 20-something, 20, 20 Everything, A Quarter-Life Guide to a Woman's Guide to Balance and Direction, um, which sounds very similar to what you said, except she's not... Maybe she was a psychologist and now she's a life coach. She's got some kind of doctorate degree. Anyways, I'm kind of, this one is a little bit less well-reviewed as the one that you said, though, so I was going to maybe get that book, but now I might get this book instead. Yeah, well, it was great. I really recommend it. It, um, Yeah, a bit of a wake-up call to get your life together. (laughs) I mean, what else am I doing this year, right? So why not? Yes, why not? Why not just get everything together? And I'm definitely not ready to start reading the 30-something-year-old books yet, but I still got a few years here, so. Yes. <laughs> we got a few years. <laughs> Do you have any favorite TV shows? I know I didn't write that in there, but that's like the equivalent to a favorite book, but with your eyeballs. I guess they're both with your eyeballs, so never mind. This is, this is embarrassing, but what I've been watching at the moment is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, so that's where I'm at <laughs> Wait, is that the only Real Housewives? Because usually when people watch Real Housewives, they watch, like, the different ones, and then they have them, like, chronicled in order of preference. I can't tell you the amount of women that have it chronicled in order of preference. I'm, okay, I'm not that, <laughs> like, not that deep into it yet. I'm just on Beverly Hills, but I am, like, seven seasons deep, which my partner is deeply unimpressed with. He often says, like, this episode is no different than the last one you watched. Don't judge me. Let me watch my crappy reality. You don't know what it's like to be a woman, sir. (laughs) So, yeah, I I do like a bit of trash TV. Oh, and also Shakes Creek. I don't know if that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, he's from Canada, Dan Levy. Oh, is he? Yeah, I mean, it's his father, Eugene, made him grow up in Toronto because he thought L.A. would be bad for him. So they actually filmed it in Ontario, too. Yeah, what? I didn't know that at all. I've, yeah, me and my partner have been watching that one maybe like on season four or something. We're a bit, bit behind the times. Later on, I'll take on that one, but hilarious show. That's Love very it. wholesome. And very wholesome. With the sex worker in it, so that was great. That's very wholesome. I was listening to Dan Levy on, um, I think it was David Tennant's podcast, and he was talking about how he wanted to do this creative thing, which was this Shit's Creek, and his dad was like, okay, fine, I'll put my name behind it, but you better do it well, and then the woman actress, what is her name? Uh, I don't know what her real name is. Moira? Yeah. Is it Moira? Is that her name on the show, is Moira? Moira is the mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the mom. The, He's like... You can't, you can't mess it up because she's like, if this is a bust, my career can't, you can't sink my career on this bad show. But then it turned out to be great. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good show. <laughs> such a good show. My favorite trash TV is Nine Day Fiance. I am like disgustingly obsessed. Oh, that's terrible. 
It's not even fake though, you know? These people have already found each other and then you just film it and they'd be doing it anyways. So there's an element of fakeness, but it's also what they'd be doing anyways, which I guess I'm addicted. I'm obsessed with relationships and people looking for love in all the wrong places, I guess. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? Okay, what are you looking forward to this uh 2021 it's funny we just missed the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century which was yesterday but i guess it's the 23rd to you so you missed it by two days and it's just me that's on today i keep forgetting (laughs) well yeah man i was just thinking about this this morning what this year is gonna be like because i'm just kind of going back to my day job and stuff and i think this year is gonna be pretty hectic for me um I think it's going to be very, very busy, and I kind of don't know how I'm going to survive, but copious amounts of coffee. Um, But, yeah, I'm just looking forward to um, continuing the organized escort stuff. I feel like I've got it to a place where I'm really excited about it. Um, I love seeing everybody's reactions to the content that I'm putting out. Um, So I'm you know, still waking up at 5 a.m. every day before I go to work to work on it. So um oh, really I'm looking forward to that. Project, though. That's really beautiful. I like I love it. Um I really do love it. And it's kind of like my creative outlet. I come from such a um like a super arty family full of artists and I've never been the creative one. I've always been an academic one. So getting to do all the kind of like graphic y design stuff my amateur version of graphic design is so fun for me and so I really love doing it um and I'm gonna keep trying to slot it in to my busy weeks I mean, it sounds like you'll slot it in naturally because you enjoy doing it. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, I guess you honestly come up with like the best topics that are already relevant and you don't need any guidance. Plus, it's a creative passion project. So you go where your mind takes you. But I guess if you're dying to get a guide written and you want to pre-order something from her, maybe (laughs) send her an email. I don't know. Send me a little email. Send me a little DM. I'm, I'm open. I'm open. I'm DMs, really? DMs are like where, where bad stuff happens. I don't know. What, ever since I've closed off the DM option on my Twitter, I've been very happy. Yeah, I mean, I've never had it when I had Twitter for my escort persona. I never had DMs. But I actually don't get that many. Like, I mean, we get sex workers in my DMs now, so that's fun. I don't really get that many dudes. Um, Man, your branding is on point. How do you magic manage that sorcery? Well, they just see that I'm not like sucking up to them and suddenly <laughs> they click away from the page. I think they can tell that it's not um it's not directed to them as escort profiles are. So the organized escort is not interested in DMs. I mean, yeah, that does go without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. Look. I mean, yeah, okay. Any final words for all these uh, clients or non-industry folk walking around um, just ending up this lovely chat we had? Oh, gosh, well, congrats for sitting through this. (laughs) I mean, be nice to your escorts. Be nice to your sex workers. Don't waste their time. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a great client and nice to the so... Ain't that the truth? Um, okay, yeah, I guess we'll let you go then. Cool. I'm gonna go have a nap. Yes. <laughs>
Thanks for listening, everyone. I've attached Amelia's links in the show notes. There's no time like the present to go check out her blog posts and guides. She is truly a wise woman. All right. Happy Monday and stay curious out there.